0: Let's get straight down to the scripture this morning and the time we've got left. And my title this morning is, try to spot it in the uh, word as we go through, how to build family. I'm going to read from Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14 through to 19. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through to 19. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of God which surpasses knowledge that you may be filled up all the fullness of God. Please put your hand on your heart and repeat after me. Father, speak to my heart. I open my heart and my mind and my life to your Holy Spirit now to receive his word and be changed by you. Amen. Well, I want to read that passage again, but I want to miss out a phrase from the passage. So let me read it once more. Perhaps we could put it back on the screen, and then you can work out which bit I've missed out. So follow with me and see what's missing. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in the inner man, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. What part did I miss out? Family in heaven and earth. Thank you, Margaret. I'm glad somebody was reading with me. That's very good of you. Now, the passage could have been written without that phrase there. It could have said, for this reason I bow my knees before the Father, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory. And there would be an incredible statement of blessing and encouragement on our lives. But there's something extra, an extra dimension in this passage, and it is in that phrase there that I missed out the first time round from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. Now, without it, without that phrase, this is fairly individual from God to each one of us. And it's good. But with that phrase, something else happens. Family is brought into the picture. Family is included. And it changes feel and the ministry of everything else that happens in the passage. Now, you'll see from that that the blessings that come through Paul's prayer don't just come to us directly from God, but because of this phrase that the scripture includes, the blessings and the help and the strengthening and power that comes from God comes to us through something called family family is the vehicle or the means by which god is going to bring these incredible things that paul is praying for in this passage and bring them into our lives the second thing you'll notice is that the phrase tells us there's not only family on earth there's family in heaven now think about that for a moment what do you imagine as family in heaven what would that look like because jesus tells us uh, back in the gospels he says to us that in heaven there's not marriage or giving in marriage he says to us that people are like angels before the father and yet there is family in heaven as well as on earth so what form does that family in heaven take? I think we would all understand it like this, that the family in heaven comes from God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit themselves. What the Bible calls the Godhead, or what we call in church terms the Trinity, Father, Son, and Spirit, embody in their very being together, family. So if family is in heaven, it's eternal. That means before the world was ever created, before husbands and wives were ever created, before children were ever created, there was family. And it also means, because it's eternal, that when this world and the form of this world passes away, in eternity there will still be family. Now some people's idea of family and some people's experience of family is not always as ideal as the Bible. It can be quite challenging. Some people may not even like family. If that's you this morning, I just want to say to you, you better get used to it because that's how you're going to be living for eternity. So get all the practice of doing family well here. You can because it will set you up well for eternity with God and with Christ. Family is an eternal quality, an eternal property that's there in heaven and it's here on earth with us now. And... In this passage that we're reading, the family that's talked about is specifically about the church. Church as family. So I want to say some things about how to build family this morning, and they apply both to our life together as church and to our own lives together uh, in, in whatever home we're in. Now, let me say something about the homes we live in before we go any further. It's this, because family is an eternal quality... Because it's there, even before husband and wife were created by God. It doesn't matter what kind of home you live in and what kind of home situation you have. If you're a single person living on your own or if you're in a, a shared household or if you're a husband and wife with children or if you're a widow or a widower, a or divorced or a single parent with children or if you're just living with some friends in a house, in a shared house. However your home situation is, there can still be family there. Family is possible in any home situation at all because it comes from heaven and it comes to us here on earth. And we can reflect by the way we live at home who God is in heaven. We can bring that same atmosphere of fellowship and life and love into our homes, whatever kind of arrangement they are, and we can have that family atmosphere and that family uh, togetherness as it is in heaven here on earth, So I hope that gives us all encouragement and hope in the Lord. And Cecil and Gloria, that's what they're going to be building in their new family situation. And we've blessed them in that today. I want to look at the passage then and look at three key things about family that will help us to understand more of what this eternal family is about and how we can build family wherever we are here on earth, both at home where we live and in church when we're together. The first thing to look at is this phrase, our inner man. It says in that scripture we read, to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man or inner person. Family is all about the inner man. Did you know that? Now, so much of... What we are concerned with in life is to do with the outer man. What we look like. What we smell like. How we come across to others. How our day has been at work. How we got on doing this or what happened to us there. A lot of our lives is so caught up with the outer man. But what about the inner man? Where do we get help and encouragement, upbuilding, input, life, strengthening for our inner man? Well, it's in the family. The family is the place where the inner man is spoken to, and where the inner man is encouraged, and where the inner man is helped. Earlier this week, when I was reading the scripture and praying, I just felt God interject in my prayers and start to speak to me from a a passage a little bit before this one, a chapter or two before this one. And through it, God really emphasized to me how important the inner person is to him. We as people get so concerned with the outer, but God is so concerned with the inner part of us. Because what's in us will come out through our outer man. What's in us will affect everything and the way we live in this world today. God is so, so, so interested in, so concerned with, it's his priority to look into our inner man and work with us and help us right there deep, deep, deep on the inside. And of course, God... The Father, God the Son, and God, God the Holy Spirit can reach deeper into our lives than anyone or anything else can. In fact, He can I dare say he can reach into our inner lives deeper than we can ourselves. That's the power of God, to reach into our inner man. And that's his priority with you. His number one priority with each one of us is to get deep inside of us and work on our inner man. And part of his provision for doing that is Family. who else is going to listen to who we really are on the inside? Who else is going to help us get it right deep down inside us? That This is very different to religion. Religion wants to put something on you on the outside. But true faith in Christ reaches deep, deep into us, into our insides and ministers to and works with and changes us from the inside out. And family is that place on earth, both at home and in church, where our inner man really gets processed and worked on and helped and encouraged and looked at and strengthened and so on. That's why God has given us family on earth. The second thing I want to look at is our strength. What is it that God wants to do through family To our inner man? Well, the simple answer is this He wants to strengthen us with power, spiritual power, His Holy Spirit power. God wants to give us strength. Have you ever gone home to your home at the end of the day and felt just drained? Hard day at work, hard day studying, hard day doing something, and you just feel, oh, I feel so drained. You know how it is when you're a teenager and you want to stay up till you're 11, 12, midnight, gone midnight, 1 o'clock in the morning? You know when you've grown up, when you get to about 8 o'clock, I, I could just go to bed now. <laughs> you know, the kids are in bed. I just want to go in bed as well. I've, I've had enough with the day. Anybody say I'm into that? <laughs> okay, yes, okay. We've all matured here, I can tell that. Uh, it, it's, a, it's a quick phase, isn't it, to want to stay up late? You just feel str- so drained. And there's so many ways our strength can be drained, not just physically, but emotionally, spiritually, throughout the day. But God wants you to receive new strength. He wants your strength to be built up in the inner man. I can remember one guy saying to me that he was working for the council... And it was that time of year when they had to give out some big mail out. And before they employed these companies to do it, it was cheaper to send the employees out to mail the letters through the box themselves. So he, was, he had streets and streets worth of mail to deliver uh, for some something or other that the council had to send out. And he was so tired at the end of a working day, but he had five o'clock. He hadn't finished. He had to work till six or seven or eight that night giving this stuff out. And he just prayed. He said, Lord, I feel so tired. Can you help me? Well, you know what the scripture says, those that wait on the Lord to renew their strength. In that moment, the Holy Spirit came to him and he felt a new energy just come in his life in a moment. And suddenly he flew down the streets giving out all these letters and putting them through all the the letter boxes. He said, I know it was the Lord because I was just so tired at that point. But he gave me physical strength even in that moment. I'm sure many parents between five and seven could pray the same prayer when they are trying to feed children and put them to bed. And no, we haven't forgotten what that's like because it's so long ago with our children because we've got a family living with us. They have to do that every night and we watch them with admiration and we pray for them and let them get on with it. <laughs> Occasionally we help a bit. So being strengthened is a great thing, even physically, but to be strengthened spiritually inside, that's even more amazing and even more wonderful. And that's what God wants to do for us. Now think about this for a moment. What do you expect when you come home to your family? What do you expect when you come to your church family? Do you expect a hard time? Do you expect a telling off? At your home, not a church, of course. Um, Actually, you're going to get a telling off a bit later on, but don't worry. Just just be nice and be happy for the moment. Um, What are you going to get when you walk through the door? What's going to meet you on the other side? What are you expecting? You can just come in, crash, put your feet up, Somebody brings you your tea, all done for you. Read the paper. I mean, what do you expect from family? Peace and quiet, nobody getting on at you and asking you to do a job or cut the grass or put a shelf up or something like that. Actually, what we should be expecting as we step through the door is, I am stepping into an environment of family which is going to strengthen my inner man. That's what I've come home for. I've not come home for my tea I've not come home to shut the world out, particularly. I've not come home to switch off and not talk to anybody. I have come home to my family, to my family atmosphere, to be strengthened in my inner man. I think you'll agree there's nothing better to come home to than that. Now, let me see if I can explain to you how this works in terms of expectation. A few years back... Um, a pastor was telling me he'd invited another pastor to his house. And you'll know both of them. I'll tell you who one of them is. It's Pastor Cesar Castellanos from Colombia. Pastor Cesar and his family, when they were a bit younger, the girls were all living at home, they were invited to come to a certain part of the world and have a holiday to get away from the pressures of ministry. It's always a nice thing to do if you're a pastor. So he turns up at the door of this house from the airport with the suitcases. The girls were all holding their suitcases. And when they walk in through the door, immediately the Holy Spirit says to him, pray for this couple. They are really weary from what they're doing. And he didn't even take his coat off. The girls stood there holding their suitcases. He went straight over to them and started to pray for them, to minister life to them in the spirit. He laid hands on them, spoke words of life and encouragement to them, blessed them in the name of the Lord, laid hands on them for the anointing and flow of the Spirit to, to be refreshed in their life. He's still got his coat on. And the pastor saying, oh, pastor, please don't do this to me. You're on holiday. He said, no, no, no. Said, this isn't holiday. This is, this is life. This is family. This is, this is what I've come to be with you for. And if you're in need, then I'm responding to the Spirit. That's what family is like. It's what family puts first. So let me give you some ways with how Family can be like that and deliver that strength to the inner man or the inner person. First of all, we touched on it just now, vision. What's my vision of family? What do I see about family in the Lord? What do I see about my own family in the Lord? Do I have a spiritual view and a spiritual vision for family? Do I see by the Spirit... Or is my family something I just look on with a natural eye? Do I see God's purpose in my family? Do I see God's calling and vision for my family and my place in it? Am I open for my family to minister to me and speak words of life or encouragement or even words of challenge to me? Do I see what's going on in my family through the Spirit like Pastor Caesar did so that I can minister life and encouragement and strength to them when they need it? If not, I'm just living in a hotel. That's not family. The second thing that goes along with vision is expectation. We need to make this our understanding of family. Our expectation, our first expectation, needs to be that family is the place where our inner man is strengthened and where we help strengthen the inner man of the rest of the family. Now, if our view of family is just... Somewhere we live or a group of people that annoy me intensely or borrow my stuff without asking or leave stuff lying around that I trip over or interrupt me when I'm playing on the Xbox or something like that, we will never find that place of strengthening and recharging in the spirit. But family should be to us our expectation that we get life strength for our inner man. Now, what about the words we speak? The words we use matter hugely in family. Things we have to say have things we say have power of life and death, according to Proverbs eighteen twenty one. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. We can call out life in one another, or we can bring death of one sort or another through the words we say. Here's another fun thing I found out about Pastor Caesar. He won't join in with a negative conversation. I've watched him. I've been there when this has happened. There's something going on. Maybe two or three people are speaking to him. Then one person starts down a negative line. And they start, oh, I'm so this, I'm so that, I'm so weary. It all gets very negative at that point. And he just stands there smiling nicely at them. He doesn't say a word. And they carry on because they think, oh, he's given me space to talk. He doesn't say a word. They carry on some more, being even more negative, and he just doesn't say a word, and he's just standing there nicely. And he stopped joining in the conversation. He hasn't said anything. He's just silent. And eventually, the person who's being negative thinks he's not joining in. Uh, maybe I should change the topic of conversation. And so they do. They change the topic of conversation. They say something more positive, and then he starts joining in again. He just will not be drawn. And one of the amazing things is he's very alert and open to the spirit to hear when the conversation turns negative he's not so full of his own conversation that he's not listening to what else is happening he may appear to be joining in or relax which he is but he's got his radar up and the minute the conversation turns negative or spirals down he stops joining in And he doesn't tell people off and he's not unkind to them and rebuke them for their terrible negative words he just smiles sweetly and stands there and says nothing try it at work tomorrow i guarantee you'll have an interesting day First of all, you probably won't say much because most of the people at work probably talk negatives most of the time. So you'll be standing there sweetly smiling, trying to get the conversation to go positive, and then somebody else will join in negative, but I tell you what, at least you won't be dragged down with it by joining in. It's a real skill to learn in life, and it's a great skill to learn in family. Now, we want to be real and realistic about how life is going, but we don't want to be negative, grumbling, complaining. We want to speak words of life, to one another, that lift each other up and build each other up. And if we see somebody spiraling down, rather than rebuke them and be unkind to them in that, we need to help them. Come on. We can be more positive than that. God is with us. God is on the throne. God can do something. And so on. We're speaking strength through our words uh, to the inner life, the inner man, the inner person who's there in front of us. And... Our words and conversation in family need to be like that. They need to be positive, strengthening, upbuilding, filled with faith, godly, not worldly, empowering. Let me just say something about empowering. It's very important that we talk to one another and build each other up in the Lord with a kind of speech that's empowering. So often I hear people telling people what they can't do. And maybe somebody's overstretched themselves a bit, but our job is to tell people what they can do in the Lord. Do you know in God you can do that? Do you know you're capable of that in the Lord? God is with you in that. God can help you. Sally came home one day, years ago, and she said, I would like to retrain in nursing. I've trained as a general nurse. I would like to train as a children's nurse. That means a full-time course for this. Time, i got to go to this place, drive all that way, study. And there was a whole lot of reasons why that would be a hard thing to do. Oh, we didn't say to her, oh, you can't do that. That's beyond that. Too much time. Oh, too expensive. No, we'll never fit that in our family life. We said, you can do this. You were made for things like this. You should do it. It's good for you. Go for it. We'll make the detail fit later. We spoke positive words to her, telling her what she could do in the Lord. And she did. And she became a children's nurse through that. And that was all part of our moving here in Newcastle. We need to speak positive to one another and build each other up encouraging each other what we can do in the Lord. There is no place in family for harsh, unloving words. And of course, as I say that statement, I realize all the times I've spoken harsh, unloving words. I am not perfect in this regard. But that is my goal, not to speak those harsh, unloving words. And we've lived weeks, months at a time with Pastor Caesar, and you don't hear harsh, unloving words in his house. You just don't hear it. So there's something for us all to aspire to there, including myself. There's no place in family for words that are critical, intolerant, or impatient. The way we treat each other is another area, our treatment of each other. The way we treat each other, especially in the small things in family, matters hugely. The rest of our family members and ourselves, we're never going to be strengthened if we don't spend time together and share together. If we don't do kind loving, thoughtful things for each other and serve one another in love. We're never going to build family. But when we care for each other, when we put each other first, when we do good to each other and we are for each other in every way, that's when family is built. That's when the inner man is blessed and that's when encouragement and strength goes to our inner man. Now, I had a little incident this week which I was at the centre of and it went something like this. Um... This is true, you can ask Sally afterwards, because I, it's Thursday, last Thursday I was preparing our message for our cell on Thursday night. So I'm doing important God's work, you understand here. I'm the pastor in the word. And in the middle of that I decided to do something a bit unspiritual and minister to the flesh. I went to make a cup of tea. Got to have a cup of tea to help you study. So as I go into the kitchen to make a cup of tea, my head is still in the word, it's all going around inside of me. And, this little voice says, will you peg out Adam's washing? It's in the dryer, and it's in the way of the rest of the washing coming in after it. Adam had gone off somewhere. So there's Adam's washing, who's part of our household and part of our bigger family. Well, I thought, I said, sorry, I'm too busy. I'm in the word. I stepped back out of the, the, the utility area where that was, about two steps, and the Holy Spirit says to me, really, are you that important? I mean, you're that important, are you, that you can ignore your wife, not serve Adam, and your ministry of the word is more important than being a decent person here. So this inner spiritual conflict is going on inside of me. I'm I'm spelling out for you longhand. It sort of happened in about a second or two like that. This conviction came over me, and that was the force of it like that. So without saying another word, I stepped back into the kitchen, picked up the washing basket, and took it out and pegged out Adam's washing for him. That's how we are in family. I thought it's better to go to the cell with my word two-thirds prepared but be in a good place with my family than it is to go to the cell with my word fully prepared but have really not blessed and served my wife and have not been a good household member towards Adam and served him. It's better to carry a better spirit than it was to get all my preparation done. I was the better for it, even if my message was a bit ragged that night. We need to learn to treat each other in Holy Spirit ways that serve one another and encourage one another and strengthen one another. Do you know there are all kinds of family ways that don't actually help? One of them is rolling your eyes. So one of the children can be talking a bit too long and the dad looks at the mum and he rolls his eyes. Do you know what? That is awful for someone in your family. It makes, if they see you do that, it makes them feel undervalued, not wanted, like you haven't got time for them, like you're better than they are, that they're just going on about something and don't you all agree with me they're just going on again. That isn't how we handle one another in family and in church. We don't think of each other like that. Let me tell you a little principle that we have as pastors. And you may not know this, but this is how it was taught to us by brilliant ministries like Barney Coombs and Steve Thomas. And it's this principle. As leaders in the church, this is our family here, we are never allowed, we can never afford to have a downer on anybody. Did you know that? Doesn't matter how badly behaved people have been in church, doesn't matter how they've treated us, it matter how in and out they've been, no matter what it's been, we never ever, ever have a downer on anybody. The next time we meet someone, we always treat them like they've been the best disciple in the world, like they've always been the most faithful, loyal person we've ever known. If they gave us a mouthful of sort of um, bad stuff the week before, that's all gone. We don't have downers on anybody. We don't doubt people the next time round. We always give people the benefit of the doubt. We always give them a the fresh, Opportunity. That's how we are as family because that's how we've been taught. And that's how we need to be in our own families. You and I cannot afford to have a downer on anybody, whether it's that person at work, whether it's that relative in your family you've fallen out with, whether it's somebody here. We aren't like that towards you as pastors. We never, ever have a downer on you. Did you know that? We reset the clock every time. It's fresh and new. Everything's restored and we just pick it up from there. That's how we are. And that's how we are as family, and that's how God wants us to be as family in our own home, I believe. So, if we are dismissive, refusing to listen, we walk out in a conversation, that's never going to build the atmosphere of family. If we huff or puff at each other, or we give those gestures, like I said, like rolling our eyes, that's never going to build family atmosphere and strengthen us in the inner man. Let me give you a little principle here from Proverbs 18.23. It's another one that we work by is this. The poor man uses entreaties. The rich man answers roughly. Do you know, in family, it's the one place where we can just forget everything and answer people roughly. But if you answer roughly, you are a rich man. And the Bible has plenty to say about rich men. Most of it is not at all good. But the Bible says, this poor man cried to the Lord, and the Lord heard him. Now, what do you want to be in conversation with your family, a rich man or a poor man? Do you want to answer roughly because you can, because you have the privilege, the status, the authority? Or do you want to use appeal and entreaties? Not because you have to, but because that's the best way to get people on board with you and in family and to strengthen them. In the inner man, I got a phone call a few days ago, and it wasn't a phone call I wanted or expecting. I'm at arms full of stuff, and I shouldn't have got this phone call. It should have gone to to, to somebody else in the church. And something rose up in me, it, and they said, "Is this convenient to talk now?" To talk now, and I heard the rich man coming up here like this, wanting to come out of my mouth. Unfortunately, he, he did it slowly, so I was able to go on the phone and say. Let me just put down what's in my hands, and then I'll, I'll take the call, and we'll deal with this nicely. I wanted to be a poor man. Just because you can answer rich roughly doesn't mean to say it's the right thing to do. Be a poor man. Don't answer r- roughly or harshly. When you do, somebody challenges you on it, realize that's what's happened, and repent of it straight away, and go back to being a poor man, because God is with the humble, but he's opposed to the proud. Now, I want to tell you a story at this point, He've got time, a few minutes. There's this wife, and she doesn't like her husband. And she's not getting on with him so much. she actually I mean, divorce isn't a possibility for her this, in her situation. She goes to her father and she says, "I want to get rid of my husband, and I don't want to divorce him." He said, "Well there's only one other way to get rid of him. And that's to kill him." He said, "That's right. I want to finish him off." She said, how can I poison him without anybody knowing? Well, I don't know what kind of dad this was, but he sort of said, well, okay, Said, "Well, you need this kind of poison. You just put a few drops on his food every meal for 30 days, and at the end of 30 days, you'll be free of your problem. You'll be gone. Right, she says. So she works out where to get the poison. He says, just one thing. He said, you've got to make sure the police don't suspect you because you're the wife. So you've got to be really super brilliant in this month. You've got to be the most caring, loving, affirming, faith-building, upbuilding wife you can be during this month. And then the police will think, well, you're you're really fine with him. Why would you want to to, to get rid of him? So that's what she does. She gets the poison, starts dropping on his dinner. At the same time, she starts being attentive, loving, sweet, caring. And this is how it goes on. After 28 days, she goes back to her father and she says, what happens if I stop now? Will he be all right? And the father said, what, Jimmy? said, he's the best husband ever. He's the most wonderful husband in the world. I can't see why I was so so, um, problematic with him before. You see what happens? You see what happens when we do the right thing from our end? The whole relationship changes. Everything about us changes. Now, listen, wives, if you want to poison your husband... Let me tell you how to do that. You don't even need a bottle of poison. All you need to do is be bitter and critical for 30 days. You try doing that and see what it does to your relationship. It's the death knell. It's the last thing that is the opposite to strengthening somebody in the inner man. Husbands, if you want to poison your wives, here's what you do. You don't need poison. You just need one of these. So all you need, just spend all your time on that, and I guarantee you will Kill off your relationship as quick as anything, especially at the dinner table. Just just look at that. Just play on that. Just have your fellowship with the phone. Do you know the scripture says this? That a friend who is near is better than a brother who is far away. But so many of us now, because we have the internet, we can connect with what we perceive to be somebody like us at a long distance, somebody with the same interest set, and I can make my relationship with them and ignore the people around me. If you do that, you do break the scripture, and you will kill off your relationship as quick as anything. And parents, if you want to get into problems with your children, just give them one of these, at teenage, and let them have uninfettered unhindered access to it and do whatever they want. Don't look at what they're watching. Just pay the bills and let them do what they like. You know, one dad did this to his kid. The kid didn't get on well with him. They were very different if you're into life languages. They were very different life languages. And so because the child was withdrawn, instead of persisting with him, he gave him and, and really helped draw him out and get into his world and work with him and him with his dad. He just took the easy option that parents do to keep him quiet. He gave him one of these. Well, the boy starts to connect with people through this that he values more than his family, that he thinks are like him. Through that, he got into a whole lot of stuff, um, gaming sites, Dungeons & Dragons, fantasy games. He would come home from school and grab his phone and go upstairs and eat his uh, dinner in his bedroom, not commune with his family, not fellowship with his family. He would just be on the internet playing these games. And it became so real to him that he felt his family with this online Dungeons and Dragons family. The people he walked past to get to his bedroom were just like the hotel keepers. They just fed him. And his relationship with them went down and down and down. His relationship with God went down and down and down. This was a very Christian family. And he basically lost all his faith. It affected his emotional well-being so much that the only friends he had were online here. When somebody broke up with him online, he was in terrible straits of crying, upset. He was nowhere with God by the end of all of this. And eventually he came to live with Pastor Cesar as a last-ditch attempt to try and help him in his life. And Pastor Caesar was trying to minister to him the cross of Jesus. And he said, "Can and and, and Rich was there as well. And Rich said, can you visualize Jesus on the cross? He said, no. Can't visualize any of that. How strange. You can visualize Dungeons and Dragons, but you can't visualize the cross. And he suddenly realized that, yes, he could visualize. He was choosing not to. Anyway, the breakthrough came, and eventually his life turned around, and he's serving God now. This has the potential to ruin your family. Parents, do not let your kids have one of these where they can just go off on their own and you don't see what they're doing. The deal must be limited access and I see everything you do on this. And if they won't do that, then don't give them one. And it doesn't matter how much they holler and scream and cry, you have got to be bigger and better in God to say no. Whatever happened to parents saying no? My father said no to me. You cannot have a motorbike when all my friends had one. And I wanted one right until they started killing themselves including my best friend died on a motorbike. He said no because he realised the danger. For two years I was unpopular with my friends because I didn't have a motorbike but at least I'm alive and got all my arms and legs which is more than most of them have. Parents family matters. Husbands Your relationship with your wife matters. Wives, your relationship with your husband really matters. And these things will poison and pollute our families as quick as any bottle of uh, poison will do. But you know what? Just being good to each other, even for this month, will turn everything around. And after 28 days, we'll be saying, I don't want to do this anymore. I want to be nice. Because it's just making such a blessing and such a different atmosphere come into our home. I feel strengthened in my inner man. They feel strength in their inner in man. We all feel strengthened. And the atmosphere of Christ is in our home in a whole new way. Finally, to say about family, is to do with our hearts. We talked about our inner man. We talked about strength. We talk, the passage talks about our hearts. The aim of family is that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Do you know the greatest evangelistic tool in the world is not preacher and the campaign. The greatest evangelistic tool in the world is not one of these marvelous things like Alpha or Life Class. They're brilliant. All of those things are great. The greatest evangelistic tool in the world is family. Did you know that? If the preachers are out there winning people, but the Christian families are losing their children, the net effect is that the church will decline. Did you know that? That's what's happening in America right now. Great preachers, good godly people reaching out to the nation, but they're actually losing their own children. Wherever Christianity has flourished at any time in the past, it started with the families being strong and keeping their children being one for Christ. Parents, it's your job to win your children. That's why God's given them to you. And family is the best way of doing it. When we strengthen each other, When we speak Christ to each other, when we live Christ to each other, when we demonstrate Christ to each other, when we're consistent in our example in front of our children, and we really live for this gospel, and we speak this gospel, and not other stuff, and we don't bury our nose elsewhere, but we really interact and engage with and connect with our family, you are taking part in the world's most effective evangelism strategy that's ever, ever, ever been devised, and it ought to be because it came straight from heaven. Shouting, harshness, inconsistent living will never produce a Holy Spirit atmosphere in our house. Peacefulness, graciousness, and a consistently good example, these things will encourage a Holy Spirit atmosphere where Christ can flourish. Now, some people say to me, well, what about the prodigal son? He went off, didn't he? And he had a good dad, yes. Sometimes our sons do go away, even when we've done the best for them. But you know what? They come back again. Now, I say to you, don't be in faith for your children to go. Be in faith for them to stay and find Christ in the first place. But you notice with that boy when he came back, he didn't just go back to the country he came from or the district or even the town. He went back to his family home. He knew where he could go back to. Family had made such an impact on him that he knew where he could return to. I watched a young man go right off from the law from a gracious Christian couple Gracious couple, lovely couple. He went off and did his thing. But after a few years, God brought him back. And he came back with such tears and such repentance and such grace. He's serving Christ as an evangelist these days. Awesome turnaround in his life. So faith for children to stay. But if they do walk away, faith for them to come back. Family will provide that platform for both of those situations. But firstly, let's be in faith for them to stay. So, by the way, you notice he came back to his father. There's a little principle I'll throw in here like this. If we make big mistakes in family, if we fail in family, insofar as you're able, go back to family and put it right. That's what he did. Let's just summarize then. Family is heavenly as well as earthly. Family is eternal, as well as part of the here and now. Family is all about strengthening the inner man and each member with the power of the Holy Spirit. Family is about every person in the family finding Christ for themselves in their own heart. Family is what we're about both at home and here in church. We can all experience and enjoy family, no matter what our situation is at home. We can all build family at home and we can all build family here in church. Brothers and sisters, we are for each other. When we see each other stumbling and struggling, we're there to pick each other up. We're there to speak faith, to speak better ways, to call up higher, to stand firm with one another. We're here to speak words that bring strength and life and encouragement back into Christ again the things we say and the things we do the way we are with people makes all the difference that's family that's the family God is in heaven that's the family he wants to be here on earth with us and I want to encourage you today to have a vision in a whole new way for your family as a place where the inner man is strengthened through the way we are the things we do and the things we say Amen? Here's the question to leave you with then. How much and how well am I building family with the people God has put me with? Let's pray. If you felt spoken to by anything today and you want to acknowledge that before the Lord, I'm going to invite you to stand right now. going to speak something over you and say this to you, whatever changes and improvements you need to make, you can do it. You can do it. You can do it because Christ lives in you. You can do it because God is with you. You can do it because the Holy Spirit is your friend and lives in you. You are loved by God and God the Father wants to bring his family to your heart into your family, so much more, and all the areas that you desire right now to see family outwork better. God desires for you as well, so you're on the same side. There is no difference here between your heart and God's heart for you. And when God's with you, I know you can do it. I speak that over you today. Every one of you standing here today has the capability and the opportunity and the possibility to be all that you can be in Christ and God can do that amazing family work in you and through you in the church and at home you can be that great family builder building heaven on earth Father I thank you now for family that place of acceptance and love that place of encouragement and strengthening Father, I speak your encouragement over every person here. I speak your strengthening here. Thank you for the words of Jesus. Neither do I condemn you. Now go and sin no more. Thank you, Lord. Your heart to us today is not to condemn us, but to encourage us and strengthen us to go and be all that we can be and need to be in our home, in church, wherever else we are, to bring that family building that family spirit into being in our lives father i want to pray today for great hearts strong hearts strong hearts in parents to say no to their children but to do it with grace i want to pray today for strong hearts not to join in those negative conversations and speak those negative words but to wait so that we can find the window to speak positive words i want to speak for great hearts for husbands and wives to be different with each other and not to speak and do things that are not strengthening in the Lord. Father, would you bless us, bless our families. Lord, we ask a blessing on Cecil and Gloria today. I ask you for a blessing on every person and every family represented here that we could bring the atmosphere of the Holy Spirit and heaven into our lives and into our families in a whole new way. Lord, I want to pray now. Wash us clean. I'd like the music to keep playing for a moment. And just, if your husband and wife here and there's something you feel you need to say to each other, we'll just play the music louder so nobody can hear. I just want to give you a chance just to pray with each other. This is a moment of encounter now. And I don't want to rush past it. So we won't take long. We're just going to give you a moment to do that. And if if there's anybody else here in the meeting who needs to pray with somebody or say something in the church family, this is your chance to say, I'm sorry I was proud or i sorry I was hurt unnecessarily, whatever it may be. This is a chance just to minister some things right with each other and set our feet on a different path for the future. Ask God for his strength to help us. Father, thank you now. Thank you now. You're helping us. Be family. Be vulnerable. Be humble. Be poor men, not rich men. Speak the right way to each other. Oh, help us now. In Jesus' name. Bless every couple here, every family with children here. Bless them, their relationships, and the speech, and the treatment of each other would be godly, strengthening the inner person in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you. Bless our Father. Father. Father, I thank you now for the vision for families to be a place of strengthening in the Holy Spirit, the inner man of each person. Lord, I speak that vision, that expectation and that blessing over every family situation here. Single parent families, uh, 2.4 children families, so to speak. Lord, all the different family arrangements we have here. That wherever we live at home, the atmosphere of heaven can come into our home and we can be true heavenly family to each other. That we can speak words of comfort and life to each other. That we can encourage the good. That we can be honest and gentle about the bad, but gracious with it. And we can help one another to turn and change where we need to. So that there is this incredible atmosphere of growth and that Christ can be there in each person, rooted and grounded in our hearts because of this family commitment, this family revelation and understanding. Father, I pray, send your spirit, send your blessing on our families this week. May we have better weeks. May we have restored relationships. May we have healing and forgiveness. May we have a washing and cleansing. Lord, I ask you for the blood of Jesus now. Be on every person, every family, that there will be that washing and cleansing that comes through the blood of Jesus. Thank you also, it says, the blood of Jesus makes peace. May there be peace in our homes, peace in our families, peace through the blood of Jesus, that all conflict and all disagreement is healed and washed away and renewed through the blood of Jesus. Lord, would you absorb painful words on the cross, May the blood of Jesus absorb all those painful words that have been said and wash them away and neutralize them, cause them to fall to the ground and be nothing so that we can start again with a fresh, clean slate and renew our relationships with each other. Lord, I ask you now, minister the power of the blood of Jesus to us today, this moment, this week, that we may be so cleansed and so free so at peace, so brought near one another you. Let your family revelation from heaven be in our families this week in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.